listening to PetLifeRadio.com. What Were You Thinking? is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog, shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canin, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADTHINK, S-A-D-T-H-I-N-K, and get $15 off your order of $75 or more. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather. And you can find out about my books if you go to my website, www.bobtart.com. But we're not here to talk about that. Uh, We're here, well, we are here to talk about ducks. My guest, Kimberly Link, is the founder and president of the Majestic Waterfowl Sanctuary in Lebanon, Connecticut. She is a rescuer of domesticated ducks and geese. And she understands the connections between pet ducks and their guardians, and she writes about it in her fabulous new reference book, The Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook. Now, unlike other duck care books that I've read, Kim's book does not include a recipe section in the back. Uh, Absolutely not. Kim's book treats your ducks as, as your friends, which is exactly what they should be. The Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook is just packed full of information on everything from day-to-day care to serious medical issues, and it covers essential tips on food, housing, flock management, enrichment, and more. Kim, I don't think that means you get rich from it, does it? Oh, I wish. (laughs) Okay. This is a, uh, it's a large format, extremely affordable paperback, and what's great is that it's heavily illustrated. There's 150 or so full-color photos, plus entertaining anecdotes about Kim's life with her flock. And you will love these stories. What I really like about this book, besides the fact that there's information in it that, you know, all kinds of new stuff for me, that it's a book you can just pick up and read because the anecdotes show how some of the information in the book applies to, you know, your real-life experiences with ducks. And you can get a copy of this book at Kim's website, which is MajesticWaterfowl.org. That's www.AllOneWordMajesticWaterfowl.org. Hey, Kim, how are you? I'm well. How are you today, Bob? Good. I'm glad to finally talk with you. And uh, we were talking before uh, we started up the show. Uh, When did I meet you? Oh, about 2003. Well, we we started talking because I read your book. And I emailed you because I thought it was hysterical when you got wrapped up in the chicken wire while building one of your duck pens, because I've been there. Yeah, and that still happens, too. (laughs) The chicken wire, the role of chicken wire is much stronger than I am. (laughs) So I I, I lose that wrestling match every single time. Very cunning. 
Yeah. So uh, when I say I met you, it was really it's all through email. This yeah. is the first time we've talked. That's right. Yeah. This is the first time you've heard my dulcet tones on the other end of the phone, <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. That's right. Yeah. Now I I saw an earlier version of the Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook maybe three years ago, I think. That's right. Yeah, so this is not an overnight project for no, you. it actually began in, I think, 2003, 2004. I had two pet ducks of my own that I raised from Duckling, and we did our first two rescues. We took in two ducks from a neglected situation where they were being pulled out by another um, agency, and we adopted them under the agreement knowing that they needed medical care. And that was Jezebel and Destiny were those two ducks. And it was, you know, fortuitous as that. Destiny is the one that um, inspired the book and the sanctuary because we actually lost her. After getting her through all that ordeal and getting her in perfect health, she had an oviduct prolapse. Oh. And despite surgeries and everything we could possibly do and everything vets knew to do, we lost her after the surgery. She didn't survive um, the ordeal afterwards. And I just remember at the time thinking, we didn't do enough. I mean, there was nothing for us to do. The vets didn't know what to do. There has to be something more that we could have done to save Destiny Duck. And I started, we started, it also her passing inspired us to rescue more. And that's when we really opened up Majestic and we took in, I think, a dozen of them right out of the bat. And then I just started taking notes on every rescue who came in with a leg infection or a broken bill or a raccoon attack, you name it. And I was just documenting it mostly for my own resource so that if we saw it again, we would know exactly what to do. And what happened is over the years, we compiled quite the the book of how to take care of everything, learning more and more as we went. And in the end, I mean, when it came up to about two years ago when I showed it to you, was when we finally figured out what we could have done for Destiny with that oviduct, the type of injections you can get to prevent further egg laying and how we could have prepped her for surgery before bringing her to the vet. And it was just tidbits that come out piece by piece from talking to different vets and different people who've experienced the same thing. And together, we pet owners of ducks and geese put together this puzzle that ended up in this book, and we wanted to make it available to everybody, like you said, without having to read anybody's recipes in the back chapter or those horrible diagrams of putting your duck on the table. I don't want to see that in my, no, no. In my pet book. So, obviously, the anecdotes are your personal experience, yeah. but how much of the um, medical information in the book would you say, you know, percentage-wise, is from things that you have gone through or that you have tried? Oh, every, I think everything is. Wow. I think everything in it. I think, the, no, the one thing that we had to go out for and ask for people to send photos was deformed bills because we've seen broken bills and bills that have been cut off um, from feather factory situations. And But we hadn't seen many uh, actual break-offs. I think we have a curled bill in there where it's curled backwards and listened to stories of how people took care of those ducks. Because we haven't seen anything that severe here. So we borrowed those photographs from people with their permissions and tapped in on that knowledge there. But otherwise, most of it is here. I would say 95% of it is well, from here. That's what makes it so valuable, I think, is that um, this isn't just stuff you compile on the Internet you know, or look no. from various sources that sounded good. These are tried and true remedies that yeah. you have uh, found and used. Exactly. 
Yeah, that, that's great. And I was uh, really impressed. You know, the book you sent me a couple of years ago was really good, but this is just absolutely... Excellent. And it was your, you and my husband, Tony, had the same suggestion about it because when I had first put it all together, I'd kind of done it as like a, I'm a mama duck and let me tell you about my little ducklings, kind of a happy little story. And every time I learned something, I threw medical advice. And both you and my husband said after reading the first draft, I can't tell if it's supposed to be like a happy little story or if you're trying to put out a serious guidebook here. And he said, I think you should put out the serious guidebook. And you had the same suggestion, and you also had the suggestion of how to better organize it, because I had it originally along a timeline, and instead we did it so that we could index it so that people could find what they were looking for. So thanks, Bob. It was a great suggestion. Oh, you know, I, th- I, I don't remember that. I thought my suggestion was to take your name off the cover and put mine on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was, but I didn't use that suggestion. <laughs> Well, again, let's give the uh, address. Uh, because people can't buy this from Amazon. They get it directly from you so that um, That's right. You know, Amazon doesn't get 50% of it. That's right. You get it, and it goes to... It goes, part of it goes to the sanctuary. A little goes to me because I've been out of work for a while, but most when I get back to work, all of it will go back to the sanctuary. Okay, and what's your website address? www.majesticwaterfowl.org. And right there and buy it through the website. Right, and it's a great website because it isn't just a website created to sell the book. There's just all kinds of stuff on the website. And actually, the website came before the book because part of the issue with losing destiny was when I was looking for information, there were no websites that had it. There was no answers anywhere. And we started up a monthly newsletter, I think about five years ago, and every time I learned something, basically what I did was put an article in the newsletter and then put that same information in the book but expand upon it and put more anecdotes because I have more room. I can spread my wings in a book. Yeah. So you, any owner, cause, you know, two missions at Majestic. There was one to rescue and stop the cycle of abandonment and uh, abandoned pets. And the other is for people to better take care of, enabling people to better take care of the animals that they have. And I wanted that to be free. I wanted people to be able to go to the website, type in, you know, my duck has a broken bill, and get the newsletter article that tells you what to do, which, you know, go to a vet. But, I mean, it has all the, the details, the questions to ask your vet and get you armed with that information so you can make the best information, the best um, choice for your pet. So it was all there in years and years of newsletters in brief form. And then I was getting, in the last two years, and I think it was around the time that I sent you a copy of the first draft, people were emailing me saying, you've got to write a book, you've got to write a book. And I thought, well, I've got one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's when the idea kind of came around to change it and make it so that other people could tap into that as well. Well, I remember what impressed me so much uh, about your very first uh, couple of newsletters was how professional they looked right off the bat. Not just how professional they looked, but just everything about them. And your website, too. I mean, it, it's just an amazing website. How did you know how to... I don't know. I don't. Did, do you have some background organizing things? Oh, the original... Actually, the originally what had happened was I was friends with the folks at Angel Wings. It used to be a waterfowl sanctuary out in Utah. And their webmaster is the one who really did it for us because she's so involved, um, Abby, in uh, waterfowl care that she said, if you open a sanctuary, I will build your website for you. So she set up the original format of the website, and then she and then I just went in, and now I just add pages and links. And I, she said, you know, all the every day-to-day yada yada from here on in. But the first year, so maybe two years, she did the website 
while I learned how to do it. Yeah, but you put the content into that's it, right. and, and that's, that's right. what was she really good. It. She did all the computer-savvy stuff, and I just wrote it all in. Well, I thought I knew about docs, but you, <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything compared to you. And every time I would get your newsletter or go to your website, I'd say, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so did we. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how, how many um, ducks and geese do you have right now? Right now we're at 27, and I think we have two coming in over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think over the course of time here, we've had almost 150 come through in the past five years. That wow. We've worked on bringing in and rehoming. I was going to say that's an important thing that you do is you don't just take them in and take care of them. You really go out of your way to find good homes for yeah, them. Yeah, very good homes. No free-range animals here. Everyone has to have predator-proof fencing. And, and that's one of the things that's in the book, too. It's not just about um, how to take care of them once they are hurt, but it's a lot of preventative care of these are the things you need to do so that your duck does not get injured, does not get sick, because that's the biggest part of it, you know, is the nutrition, the best diets, the safe pens, and then knowing what happens. I mean, we tend to see a lot of injuries and everything because that's, you know, who comes in here. We have a lot of ducks come in from those situations where they could be hurt. But when you're properly caring for your pet, Hopefully none of these other things ever come up for anyone else. But if they do, you know, you'll see that there's hope. Because a lot of these other pet, these not pet books, these other duck books, will tell you there's no hope and just be done with it and put them down or whatever, cull them. And ours is here saying, no, 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 your duck will be fine. You just have to do this. So we're, it was to inspire kind of preventative care and then hope if something does happen. Right. One thing is when people ask me about keeping ducks, I always tell them, you've got to have a top on the pen. Yeah. I, I have a growling cat on my lap. <laughs> All right. And um, people don't seem to treat that seriously because they think, well, nothing could really climb up. But um, just uh, about a year ago, and it'll probably happen again this spring, we had a sharp shin hawk trying very hard to get into the pen. And, yeah. you know, and, and that's the problem. Even though we have our ducks in the barn at night, mm -hmm. during the day there there's a lot of danger from above. Yes, or now around here we have gold eagles and we have uh, great horned owls right. during the day. And even a large red-tailed hawk can, can take a duck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We we had a hawk get into our pen a couple of years ago, and Linda and I were gone. But luckily, uh, Gary, our handyman, happened to be there. And um, he was just so calm, he got into the pen, the, and the uh, hawk was in there. He ripped part of the netting down, which was the smart thing to do, and then he took a net and kind of scooped up the hawk and, you know, let the hawk go. Does he want, to does he want a job out here? I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I never would have had the presence of mind to do any of that. I would have just collapsed yeah. on the ground and started wailing or something. You know, every now and then we get a kingfisher caught in our net. So oh, I call no. The, I call the husband in because those things have, you know, the bills, the beaks on those are so sharp. And I'm like, you should go catch that and get it out of the pen. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in charge of ducks and geese. You're in charge of kingfishers. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to talk more about the content of the book. There's something I want to read out of it, showing you what an absolutely unique and special book this is. We're going to take a brief break right now for a word from our sponsor. And I'll be right back talking to Kimberly Link, director of the Majestic Waterfall Sanctuary in Lebanon, Connecticut, and author of the Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook. Be right back. <laughs> 
What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. There's a movement afoot. Shoebuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop Shoebuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. Shoebuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code THINKING, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at Shoebuy.com. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash what, W-H-A-T, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code WHAT, W-H-A-T, and save 10% on orders of $65 or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com. Where have you been? Oh, Grandma, I've been busy, you know, racing, GoDaddy girl. Oh, I built my own online store with GoDaddy. Really? Let me see. Grandma'sauction.com? Hey, those Grandpa's golf clubs? Grandma needs her bingo money. Use promo code WHAT10, W-H-A-T, the number 10, and get a .com domain name for just $7.49 at GoDaddy.com. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Join us every week on Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. 
everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. We're your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. and Robin Schwokas from the Leather Elves. How do I learn more about my parrots? Spread your wings and get ready to fly. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm Bob Tarp, author of Enslaved by Ducks in Fall Weather, talking to Kimberly Link, author of The Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook. I want to read something from the book that... I just love this, Kim, and this is why I would encourage somebody to um, buy this book because there's things in here you would probably never even think of. And this is really cool. This is a section called Signal Sounds. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this paragraph. And it says, when approaching the pen of... Okay, this is about blind ducks, but I think this probably applies to ducks in general. Because, for instance, our ducks are in a pen behind the barn, and they will hear me coming long before they can see me. And, you know, you don't want them to, to be afraid. You're wondering who's coming. So this is really cool. This says, uh, when approaching the pen of your blind duck, use a familiar sound to offer reassurance so they know it's you coming. You can talk, call out a familiar phrase like, mommy's coming, or you can whistle or even sing a song. This tactic works well with partially blind ducks as well. Additionally, when dealing with blind feather friends, some people tie a small bell around their belt loop or boot lace so their duck can hear them moving around in their pen. This works when taking them on leashed walks as well. Be careful to choose large bells so if it does fall off, it doesn't pose a choking threat. You know, I love you're covering every base there. <laughs> you know, make sure the bell is... I but I was thinking I'm that... I'm an overprotective mama duck. Yeah, but that's great. <laughs> and, you know, I, I walked down to the river today because it was a nice, sunny, although cold day. And, you know, as I rounded the corner, the duck's saw me and were a little nervous because it takes them, you know, a little bit to recognize me uh-huh. because I might be wearing something different. But this time I was talking. And so they heard me talking. And so as soon as I round the, rounded the corner at the sound of my voice, they all raced inside the barn thinking that I was going to give them treats. That's right. right. You know, mine are very good at hearing the sound of lettuce bags. Once a week we have lettuce day here where we buy enough in the wintertime when there's no greens. We buy enough lettuce to give everyone big handfuls of it. And they just know the second I get out of that car and they hear the crinkle of the bags. And, you know, this is not close by the pens. This is at the other side of the yard. And they hear that. And you, they all line up at the gates. The geese start honking. I mean, they know. They they hear that good stuff. I think they're smart animals. They are. I noticed. Underestimated um, they are. Oh, they are. I noticed a couple months ago that um, I, I have this real, I'm a real creature of routine. And at night, what I would do in the warm weather is before I closed up the barn, I would fill up both the wading pools outside so that it was one less thing for Linda to do in the morning. And the ducks would hang around outside until I started filling that second pool. As soon as I started filling that, they knew it was time to go in and that they would get their treats. And I thought that was really cool because I didn't have to herd them or anything. I just start filling that pool up and they go in. Mine actually know because we have to do so many rotating, especially in wintertime, to share one pond. 
because we only keep one of them open in the winter. We have to open up gates and get pe chip people, get ducks down. See, I think of them as people. I do too. We have to get them down to the water, so they have to learn hand signals. They all know stop, and they know, you know, you stop. I feel like a police officer directing traffic down to the pond. You stop, you go, you turn around <laughs> and get back up there. Don't you try to speak by me, I know you're there. <laughs> yeah. But they do, and people are surprised when they come to visit and they see this kind of going on, this trafficking, and they're, and they're pretty impressed by it. Well, I, you were talking about lettuce, and I want to talk about duck food, because that's something I really learned from reading the original version of your book, and that is that not all packaged duck food is created equal. That's correct. So I wasn't doing just scratch feed. At least I went a step above that. I was getting pellets, mm -hmm. but now I've been, not as often as I should, but I've been supplementing it with uh, Missouri. Is that is that's that correct? Missouri. Yeah, Missouri waterfall maintenance formula. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about yeah. why some feeds... I, and I can, I've talked to, I mentioned in the book, Purina Blue Seal in Missouri, and I've spoken to representatives and received permission to list their products in the book and talk to them in great detail about everything and the best choices. It originally started because we used to feed our ducks. Purina had a duck food, a specific duck food. And when they stopped making that food, they came up with the flock raiser. And at that point, I called Purina and said, you know, should my ducks be eating what is intended for chickens and geese and everything else, all kinds of birds. Turkeys were on there. And they said, what kind of ducks are we talking about? And I said, you know, pet ducks. And they said, pet ducks, you should be going with Missouri. It's their other company. It's another branch of Purina. And that food is specifically designed for life, longevity, good health. It's for breeders. It's for zoos. It's for pets. And That's... they said, where a lot of the Purina products, as good as they are, they're not necessarily made for longevity because a lot of people are using them for, you know, those bad industries that we don't want to talk about. Well, the thing that really, as soon as I heard the word or read the word zoo, then I thought that's cool because if zoos use this food yeah. for long-term health, that's yeah. got to be really good food. Yeah. So, and I can tell you this, the minute that we, we just had four ducks, originally Destiny, Jezebel, and my two boys, and we switched over to the Missouri at that point. And just the improvement in the next few weeks in their feather quality, mm -hmm. and I thought these were spoiled ducks already, was amazing. And the differences we see when we bring in rescues that have been out there eating donuts and chips off ponds, heaven forbid, they come in and go in the Missouri, and the change we see with in their feather quality and in their health in two weeks is undeniable. Yeah, we had a female Muscovy, well, we still have her. We have a female Muscovy named Rosemary, and she had... Terrible feather condition, and it had been bad for years. And then we started using the Missouri, and like you said, it was just a you know matter of two, three weeks, and she was just gorgeous. Yeah. So it really does make a big difference. Yes, and we survey. And we every now and then we'll visit someone who is new to the website that will ask us. They'll read the information, and they'll ask, you know, why are you spending um, thirty dollars on a bag of duck food when you have a non-profit sanctuary why aren't you buying the eight dollar bag and we always say because at majestic it's about the quality care and it's with the pet ducks too it's about quality care and about giving the best care possible not the in most you know the easiest most inexpensive one so we, we do have to go out of our way to get our missouri but i wouldn't i drive the hour to get it and that's Every animal here is worth it, and I highly recommend it to anybody out there. Well, speaking of the quality of care, you mentioned enrichment. And uh, what does that mean when you talk about that? Enrichment oh, enrichment? For, yeah. Uh, happiness. 
<laughs> yeah, and and what do you do f towards we, that end? Yeah, we, first of all, the, one of the basic things we do is we avoid overcrowding pens. Right. Uh, which is number one for us. We, you know, I'd say that we have about 30 animals at any time with this, with what we have now. I mean, there are plans to build more pens in the future, but every pen only has the duck pens, about two to three ducks in every pen, and only friends stay together. So that's the first thing, so that rivals aren't in the same pen because a lot of times drakes, boy ducks will rival with each other and they don't want to be together. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, who wants to be, even if you have a little pond, which is the best enrichment of all, that's the something to, so they're not standing in their pens bored. So we like to keep them busy with fun stuff to do. And one of those, as we said, is the kiddie pools or some kind of pond or body of water. Even a bucket of water, as you know, will go a long way with a duck. The other things that we do are hiding treats in their pens, lettuces, that kind of thing. Oh, where do you hide them? Just in the grass, because the grass is green, the lettuce is green, they have to look around for it. It's not that we're really hiding it, you're just spreading it around. Oh, wait, wait a minute, I have to stop you here. Yeah. You have grass in your pens? Oh, yes. See, we can't keep <laughs> we can't keep any grass in the pens. It's a lot of work to get the grass in the pens. Every year with a shovel, I go out and turn over the ground in every single pen and plant grass seeds. Okay. And what we do is we keep one pen closed till the grass comes in. Yeah. And then we rotate until we get grass in all the pens. Yeah, we tried to do that. We put a second pen in that's attached to We have some a couple of really, really big pens attached to the barn. And the idea is to let all the grass and weeds grow in the back pen and then open it up. But um, right. uh, Linda, <laughs> Linda likes to say, they want to go back there. I let them in. <laughs> they will. And they'll talk you into it. They will. They'll talk, can I go in that pen? It looks really good in there. And I... No, no, no! You have to wait in your dirt pen till you know till I get to that one. You know, I had I had wanted to do a video showing I don't know why I didn't, but showing this lush vegetation, and then the next day shooting a little more, and then the next day shooting more, and showing that within like three, four days, the ducks and hens just strip. Especially the girls. Yeah. The girls are the culprits, and we can actually keep boys in pens where the grass is growing, but not the girls. Do you have chickens too, by any chance? No, we don't. Nope. Okay. We keep chickens with our ducks. Have you heard any reason why people shouldn't do that? The only thing that we have heard is that chickens are more likely when they go to the bathroom to have staph bacteria in their poop. Okay. And because ducks have those big, you know, uh, webbed feet. Right. And all animals, when they walk around and people, you get tiny little cuts on your body. Yeah. And if they step into the chicken fecal matter, there's a higher risk of staff, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Okay. So we tell people who are housing chickens and ducks together to periodically pick up your ducks and look at the bottom of, your, of their feet. Okay. That way you catch any kind of infections or calluses very early on, and it's very treatable very early on. And the treatment is something I will be able to find in the Ultimate Pet Duck exactly. Guide. Exactly. <laughs> and it's on our website, www.majesticwaterfowl.org. I'll be going there. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad to know that about uh, ducks and hens. We don't have that many hens. We just have, like, maybe four. So I, I don't think it's a big problem. It's not like we have dozens. Yeah. And, it's and a it normally isn't. I think it's more of a concern if you have a lot of chickens and ducks together. Mm -hmm. Which um, and, and I think in that case, when you have a lot of animals together, you really want to be checking the bottom of web feed anyway because um, injuries can happen very quickly, and the quicker you catch them, the happier your duck will be after. How are your ducks about getting picked up, you know, getting carried some around. Some of them love it, and some of them would rather leave the sanctuary, pack up, and go back to the ponds they came from. Right. <laughs> uh, I think when they first come, 
Yeah, we really try to do very little handling of them at all. Uh, they come to our initial quarantine pen. We pick them up. We do a precursor medical exam, do all the parasite checks, delouse them, and then we give them like a three-day grace period where we hardly even enter the pens at all. And it's just coming in to top off food and water or do any basic cleaning we have to, but it's kind of quick in and out. And then after they finish their quarantine and go to the other pens, that's when we start working with them on getting closer to them and establishing that trust. Some of them always remain shy. Some of them will only come near you when you have food. Most of them will come near us when we have food. And we have, and then some of them, and it's a strange thing, after about three months of being here, it's like they almost overnight become a really friendly duck. Yeah, I've had that too. And you know, did someone switch ducks out on you? Why are you following me everywhere all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, well, we have a half Muscovy and half Mallard hybrid um, named Pickle. And Pickle would not have anything to do with me. And then suddenly she was right there begging for treats and would eat out of my hand. Yeah. But yeah. I want to ask you, maybe you can give me some advice. We have a large male Muscovy named Ramon. And we've had him for five, six years now. And he's a sweet duck. But he's terrified of us. He is now to the point where if I'm out there with food and he knows that I'm not going to, you know, try to come after him for some kind of um, care of some sort, that he'll be all right around me. But any time we have to pick him up for something, he is just traumatized. And for sometimes for a couple of weeks afterwards, he'll just hide. Oh, for a couple of weeks? Yeah. So maybe I'm exaggerating, but um, at least for a week he'll be skittish. Like, and, don't touch me. Yeah. yeah. We have a couple like that. Um, I actually, my advice is don't pick them up unless you have to. Yeah, but it, we it, just go for try not to stress the bird. Yeah, not every bird is meant to be your best friend in that way. I'm okay with that, but what is the way I should approach him when I need to pick him up? When you need to pick him up, we always bring, um, we have a Muscovy, uh, Jack Frost, who's here, and he came here terrified of people. And now I can barely tickle his tummy feathers before he looks at me and goes, are you touching me? Yeah. Um, my, our biggest thing is when we have to catch an animal and it's in a, a big pen, we get him into a smaller pen first. Like right. Either get him into a barn or get him in a smaller kennel mm-hmm. so they can't hurt themselves when they're mm-hmm. trying to get away. Mm-hmm. And then just go into a corner. And we always do a fake left grab right or a fake right grab. <laughs> but you still out, end up. They'll go right into your arms the other way. And you just have to keep it as brief as you can. Yeah and as calm as you can and do what you have to do, give them their meds, and then let them go back out into the bigger pen. But you never want to be chasing them around in a big pen because that's what causes most of the stress. Right, right. And yeah. the treats afterward, always good, especially night crawlers around here. Ooh. We live in wetlands, so. Yeah, we do too. That's our big enrichment around here. We come in with bucket loads of them, and we have pictures of that every now and then on the website. And we have visitors come out, and they just can't believe the masses of worms we throw out in these pens, and they go crazy. The ducks all go crazy. Oh, okay. All right. Well, believe it or not, can you believe we've spoken for a half hour? No, I can't. Yep. So, uh. That's too much, right? <laughs> n- no, that's perfect. Um, I should have you on again, and because, uh, this has been such a great conversation. It has been. Yeah. It's been too long. I mean, you know. Yeah. We met in 2000, started talking in 2004, chatting on the email, and it's taken us this long to talk on, on uh, personal live, right? I know, and you have a voice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just the tick of a typewriter keyboard. Yeah, just a program. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I've been talking to Kimberly Link, director of the Majestic Waterfall Sanctuary in Lebanon, Connecticut, and author of a book you need to have. 
the Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook and go to MajesticWaterfowl.org and get a copy. If you want to be a guest on What Were You Thinking, just drop me an email at bob at petliferadio.com and please check out my website, bobtart.com, for information on my two non-reference books on ducks and other animals. And uh, thanks to Kim and thanks to my producer, Mark Winter. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Bob. All right, bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.